0: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, guys. This is going to be a fun and interesting uh, listen to me, radio show today. You can tell I was just on coaching calls, can't you? And I have to say, what inspired this um, radio show today was a coaching call um, I had with one of my longtime clients. And what was, I think, really interesting about this coaching call that I had with this one of my clients, it was a gal. She had been in the business for, I don't know, probably as long as Julie and I have, over 20 years. Uh, and she's always been very successful. So this is someone who I've coached for a long time. And anyway, she was, um, I'm preparing to interview her on the radio show for an upcoming show. And uh, I was asking her like questions, the types of questions I would ask on the radio show to benefit all of you. And one of the questions I asked her was, can you please tell me what would be the top three things uh, you've learned from coaching? And in your mind, I'm sure all of you guys are thinking that, you know, lead generation, balance, systems. But the first thing that she said, which really blew me away, was she, she reminded me – I didn't really remember having this coaching call with her. But uh, she, you know, she reminded me years ago, um, we'd actually met at an event. That's where we originally met her. And, we had, and she shook my hand, and I shook her hand. And I remember her, her handshake was just really kind of not very professional. And we had an impromptu um, coaching call coaching session right there in the lobby of that hotel, and we talked about having uh, basically what your handshake means and she told me that that little session that we had not only you know convinced her that she wanted to be a coach and she, or a coaching client she 's been a coaching client ever since, but it also convinced her or it also helped her to learn how to be more professional because she said when she and we 're going to talk about this on the show today. She said, just by changing that one physical action of how she was shaking hands. I know this seems kind of strange, but follow me through on this logic, and you guys will realize that your actions always will uh, essentially drive your emotions. So, in other words, if you act and you know take a certain level of action, and you're you know, in, for the sake of what we're cu- talking about today, how you introduce yourself and all the rest of it, when you do that professionally what happens is no matter whether you're feeling excited, you're intimidated, you're whatever, that first contact with that uh, prospect or that person, once they have that initial contact with you, changes the relationship from there forward. And it happens in such a subliminal, quick, microscopic, (laughs) unbelievably fast, but unbelievably powerful way that if you're not doing it right, and you're going to be running into relationships and opportunities with folks where you just don't quite connect like you otherwise would, and you wonder why. So, th- And this is obviously uh, I've had and Julie's had and all of our coaches have had the similar conversation. We call it sometimes moments of truth, you know, T- the the, the uh, first impressions, you know, you, that would be more traditional way of thinking of it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to be giving you guys some very specific, tactical and practical notes, as you know we always do. This is, uh, this show is not about you know rah rah. It's not about hypotheticals. We're not going to talk about building complicated systems. We're talking about the actual things that put you in a position to help people and make money. Julie, welcome to today's radio show.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here, and I was enjoying your story about that because when I forwarded you this idea and outline, I actually was wondering what you would think, whether it was too basic or you know appropriate for our show. So I appreciate that you shared that story because – you know, I I remember kind of being creeped out by the, like, when do you shake hands, how do you shake hands, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and then, you know, the kind of the opposite, too, when somebody would shake your hand back and they were kind of weird about it. You, I mean, we'll talk about all that on today's show, but it really is a first impression, a moment of truth. It's something that is so important because it's the first face-to-face that you have oftentimes, right?
0: So, Julie, before we get to our – and, guys, this is a quick uh, – this is a to-the-point radio show, so make sure you take great notes and then test it. If you, and some of you guys are using our radio show every day for your, uh, you know, your office training. I know a lot of you guys, brokers, are using uh, our radio show, sending it around to all the agents in your office, in your, in your system, and that's great. But here's what I want you guys to do. Literally, the only way you're really going to be able to make this information real is to practice shaking hands. And I know that seems strange, but try it. And this is a again, this is something that if you come across somebody, you know, your first impression, how they look, right? So there's a list of first impression things. I'm kind of rolling into it, Julie, but there's a list of first impression things that all of us go off of. Let's just talk about for the sake of having face-to-face contact with somebody, right? We could talk about first impressions when they come in contact with your business. That would be your sign. That would be your website. Maybe that would be your, you know, your Twitter account. That would be anything they find on you about, you know, just different things. But let's talk about your first impressions. When you actually physically run into somebody, you know, you're out walking, you're out talking, or maybe you're in a more professional environment, that's what you need to focus on. And again, if you take a professional approach and actually think through that first tiny little slice of your new relationship with somebody, it really does have a profound effect. You guys know this. When you've gone, you run into people before and they've had that initial wow thing going on, if you were to really drill down on what it was that made them so memorable, made it so that they had that little initial wow effect on you, it really did come down just to a couple, you know, three or four things that are very easy for you to duplicate. Uh, don't think you know what we're about to tell you. I know some of you think, oh, I know this. This is all basic stuff. It's basic stuff that a lot of you guys have never learned. You know, it's basic stuff that a lot of us just take take for granted if we think ourselves to be really good natural salespeople, and when you go back and you study and you learn it and you master it, then it's the tiny little things that gives you guys that edge when you're in competitive listing appointments, when you're in a networking event, those types of things. But, Julie, you have a couple emails to read before you get to your I first do. point.
1: Actually, uh, some uh, Facebook shout-outs to our members. Uh, first, Andy Madrid in Ventura, California. I love this on Facebook. This is such a great story. He writes, so I got my first listing of the year. I know, I know, we're six weeks into the new year and it's taken me that long, but let me tell you how I got it. And I have to say kudos to Coach Rochelle for getting me there. I was driving through a neighborhood. I saw a for sale by owner sign out in the front yard of the house. I went and I knocked on the door. I spent about an hour with the homeowner just listening to what she had to say and asked her if there was anything that I could do to help. That was on Wednesday afternoon. Last night, I went back over there and signed the listing. That was my first for sale by owner. Yes, I put my intimidation aside. That was totally easy, and now I'm feeling excited. So nice job, Andy Madrid in Ventura, California. So look at the victories along that path, right? So the first one was noticing the for sale by owner sign and not just, you know, acting like you didn't see it and keep driving. Second one was parking your car, approaching the house, probably shaking hands with that homeowner at some point listening to what she had to say, and then following up and closing. So you can see all of those places where Andy could have said, oh, this is intimidating. It's too hard. It's not my cup of tea. It's my only for sale by owner. But instead, he powered through and now has his next new listing. Nice job, Andy in Ventura. All right, next one. Let's see. I think I had another one. Uh, I think I'm going to save the other one for tomorrow. So that was the shout out uh, to Andy Madrid in Ventura, California. And lots of congratulations from fellow members saying great job don't apologize for the time just take the win and keep on going so i would challenge you andy i'm sure you're listening that uh here's the thing what if you were to do that you know maybe not every day but let's just say once a week and followed up on all of them (laughs) you know that's like between 40 and 50 listings just on that one spoke because you had the gumption to do it because you made yourself do it and you're no longer fearful i see this all the time with newer prospectors tim it's not until they have a victory like Andy just did that they really believe in it. And now I'm sure he's going to be probably addicted to it. Now he's broken through. So, just had to point that out, not just to say kudos to Andy, but that's certainly part of it, but to make him an example of someone who can and did do it. Yes, it does work, but only when you, you know, stop your car, get out. I had I had <laughs> so two fact-
0: emails directly to me I had two emails directly to me this week people confused about what our stance is on basically you know, internet marketing or social networking, all the rest of it. And um, some of you guys are confused. We love it. We use it. A lot of you guys connected with us originally from something digital. So it's not like we're not huge advocates of it. So please be clear about that. And don't in your mind think, oh, Tim and Julie are anti-social networking. We have three Facebook pages. We're on Twitter. We're on all these other things. So no, we're not. We see the power of it. But we don't see the fact that it's a replacement so, the best thing about social networking, in my opinion, is the fact that it does give you, from a sales perspective, access to information on your prospects that you wouldn't normally have, right? So, in the olden days, not too long ago, you didn't have this just absolute deep well plethora of information on folks. Now you can, and you can use really cool services like Contactually and other things to kind of, you know, congregate all the information in one place. So when you're making your prospecting calls, your centers of influence contacts or whatever, you have just this huge library of information going back years on some of these folks from Facebook status updates and the rest of it. So believe me when I tell you we're advocates of it. I think it's great. It helps you keep in contact with people. It's all this, you know, it is, it's pretty cool. It's fun, but let's just be honest. And this is where there's a disconnect in, frankly, in in the real estate industry. And it's kind of painful disconnect as Some of you guys are learning that Social networking, online stuff will never replace picking up the phone. It will enhance picking up the phone. Never replace picking up the phone. You know, I had a um, – actually, Julie, you were telling me about this, someone who got a, a lead mm-hmm. off LinkedIn. You know, they say, well, I had someone that was basically was coming through different agents on uh, LinkedIn and chose um, this particular agent. And it re- But here's the thing. They may have found her. They found her originally from some sort of marketing piece that she did, like adding a you know, postcard sign, whatever it was. And then they found her on LinkedIn. And then basically he emailed her and several other agents on LinkedIn and she was the one who called back the quickest. Do you see the phone call there? That's always going to be the thing that makes the difference in your business, guys, is your ability and your willingness to pick up the phone. The furiously fast lead follow-up thing that we came up with years ago, that's never been so true. So if you do furiously fast lead follow-up, when you get somebody that's showing signs of life on Facebook asking a question, don't message them back. Pick up the damn phone and call them. You guys get what I'm saying? That's how you – so you have to have – essentially a so a technologically enhanced prospecting business but don't think you can replace the actual work of picking up the phone guys don't be confused about that don't feel overwhelmed about it embrace it and then it's easier because what happens is if you have connected with somebody in several different ways facebooking them, um, you know you connected with them on linkedin whatever and you're and you're calling them that's awesome okay how about this When you see a for sale by owner, go drop that for sale by owner's address or their phone number or if you have their name, which you sometimes will, into Facebook, and then you're going to see their personal Facebook page. Then you're going to see the fact that they're talking about moving to Omaha and they have to be there in 60 days. Then you're going to get all kinds of information. So when you call them, you guys get my point. That's the cool, amazing thing about all this stuff online is it does give you a level of information, access to information that you would normally never get. Um, or at least the seller wouldn't so willingly give over to you, you now have. So don't think you can get rid of phone calls. Phone calls become the thing that pulls all this together. Picking up the phone and having phone skills is the secret sauce that makes all these things work. So if some of you guys have these complicated CRMs, and you're pulling in you know, MLS data, and you have these drip campaigns, and you have these, all these other things. I know you guys have spent, some of you, unfortunately, some of you have spent tens of thousands of dollars to build these very elegant mousetraps, and you're just sitting back waiting for a lead just to land. This is the system to spit out a lead. I get that. That's the fantasy. And I, I have some unfortunate news for you. Twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, actually kind of worked. It did. That did work, but now it's oversaturated. Now everyone's doing the same thing. And frankly, it doesn't work like it did now. But if you get folks that are in your system and you're calling them, that works. I had a great client, personal client in Indiana named Ryan. And Ryan, if you're listening, so Ryan was somebody who was very, very much a believer in the whole technological golden web that a lot of you guys create for yourselves. You know, leads from different sources, buying buyer leads, you know, they come into your CRM, the CRM drips on them, sends them emails, you know, the whole thing. And he had, I think him and his company, if I remember correctly, and if I'm exaggerating, Ryan, just tell me, but I think it was 10,000 people in this campaign. None of them were getting uh, calls. So I had him and I think he had four of his agents that work under him start calling. And in one week, Julie, he said, and uh, from calling, he said, Something like uh, I think they set seven appointments, and I think he took three listings just from the calling of the people it that were in the list make but it, people, it does, so yeah. pick up the phone guys, come on, that's the secret sauce, <laughs> so yes, we read your emails, we always get back with you um let us know if there's ever anything we can do for you so julie let's just let's just go through these four or these three points, yes.
1: yeah, these are easy, but it's such a uh an easy thing to fix, to upgrade, to correct, and to shine at. So, how to shake hands and when pretty easy. Have a firm, confident handshake. Point number 1. A handshake at the door is expected for a listing presentation and or meeting buyers. It is the universal business greeting. This is a moment of truth. Now, are you a bone crusher or a wet fish handshaker naturally? Both of those are wrong. How do I know that? I actually checked I always had that sixth sense that something was not quite right about either of those. Uh, But I checked uh, Etiquette International says both of those are not correct and went on to say, point number two, a good handshake goes like this. Keep your fingers together with your thumb up and open. Slide your hand into the other person so each person's web of skin touches. Squeeze firmly. Now that's something you guys can all practice. Your handshake should be firm but not bone crushing. Last about three seconds. Include good eye contact with the other person and should be released after the shake, even if the introduction conversation continues. It should feel close and assertive. So also know when to let go. Have you ever had somebody that doesn't let go? That's a little creepy too. So your handshake, make it firm but not bone crushing. Three seconds, good eye contact. Release after the shake, even if you're still talking. It should feel close and assertive but not creepy. So here's a little secret. When someone shakes hands with their hand facing down, it means they want to control you subconsciously. If they shake with their hand facing up, it means they're more submissive. That's a little... Uh, tell that you can pick up on as you meet different people and I think we've all had that whole hand turning over a control feeling thing Um, so you may be driver to driver and you might have to kind of ratchet it back a little bit and let them feel a little bit of control if you have that happen but be frosty be observant know what's going on what would you add to this Tim I mean it seems like a simple thing but you know it's kind of a detail
0: well, but let's Julie let's be honest this was difficult for you when you were starting in business with uh, you know when you and I were in the real estate business originally back in their twenties,
1: yeah, because I hated it
0: you didn't <laughs> know you did but well, let's be honest i mean that's so this was a big epiphany for you because you were you know you were you know i I, I even heard well, twenty years later well, you're more introverted, but you were you know you're female, people sometimes think you know you thought maybe if you come off too aggressive as a handshaker as a female you're going to be perceived well, in someplace I, I some way. You some
1: Women are taught not to shake hands or they're not supposed to or they're supposed to step back. There's all kinds of different things, not just how you grew up, but cultural differences, and that's why I wanted to address this. But, yeah, it was something that, you know, I just sort of had to study and get used to, and then finally I had enough students saying, you know, tell me about how I should approach when I go to the door on a listing where I don't know them, what is the protocol, what's the etiquette? So I figured I'd research it and turn it into a radio show. So there you are. So uh, and if you want to go the extra mile to convey confidence, try the anchoring handshake. Again, you guys are used to doing some role play. Let's do a handshake role play, basically. Go the extra mile and do an anchoring handshake. This means using your other hand to touch the person softly on their forearm between their wrist and their elbow. Done correctly, and this move can give an impression that you are fully committed to speaking with the person. This is kind of upping it a little bit, your commitment. Just be sure not to go any higher than the elbow as that could make the person feel like you're invading their personal space. Another reason to practice, right? So make sure that you understand these different styles of handshakes and try them out on each other and pay attention at your next appointments, how you're handling that. Now, when are you supposed to shake hands? This was another thing that was always like, okay, so do you shake hands like the first and the second meeting? Do you do it every time you see somebody? Or what's the deal with that? So here's your quick list. Meeting somebody for the first time. Meeting someone you haven't seen for a while. Greeting a host or hostess. Greeting guests. Saying goodbye to people at a gathering. And when someone else extends a hand. These are all tried and true rules. And just put those in the back of your head. These are when you absolutely should be shaking hands. So that's my quick list of a moment of truth. What's that like? And I I think that I would add a couple of things too, Tim. Have you ever shook hands with somebody where they're not actually looking you in the eye? They're like looking to see who else is in the room and they're distracted and that sort of thing. You wanna make, as we said, good eye, t- eye contact and I think having a decent smile really helps too. Sometimes they see agent pictures on their business cards and the best ones look really friendly and approachable and they probably look like who they really are. But there are other ones that just look kind of odd. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that when you research agents, Tim?
0: Well, absolutely. And go, drilling down the Facebook thing, though, guys, because Julie's talking about moments of truth. But just, I'm sorry, on yeah. the Facebook, on the handshake thing, um, what, you can do a double-handed handshake. You can do, you know, yes. like, you, if you guys are interested in this stuff, just go and read. There's tons of books written on this, the psychology of basically that that contact the handshake is very powerful because it shows trust, and, the, and it's interesting, the right hand in particular, like offering your right hand is, is something – You know, if you're left-handed, that's good too, but always try to shake with your right hand because the majority of people are right-handed. If you shake with your left hand, if you're left-handed and you're shaking with a right-handed person for the first time, that's going to create an odd experience for them. Um, but there's different styles of handshaking. Julie talked about if you're going to squeeze your hand or whatever. Sometimes what some people will do, and I, I, the only time I've really run into this is when it's been men who've been trying to be dominant. And this is obnoxious, but this is one of the things. They shake your hand, and then they turn your hand over, and they, they, try to, they put their hand on top of yours. So you're no longer shaking hands. You're actually being – they're trying to physically dominate you. They're doing that like intentionally. Right, in your yeah, prison. Exactly. exactly. They're doing that intentionally. So when you run into somebody like that, you know what you're dealing with, right? It, it, so the yeah, early warning Right? It tells a lot about you, but it also tells you something about them. Now, the other thing is, is when you go to shake somebody's hand, here's, here's the most powerful way to do it. So remember, this is how I do it. When you shake somebody's hand, you know, match, you don't have to – dominate them. Don't do that. And then put your hand, your other hand, like shake hands with the right hand and put your left hand on their forearm. You know, you don't have to squeeze them. You don't have to punch them. Just do it like that. Because then those two points of contact actually are very psychologically powerful. And it's conveying your your sincere intent to want to be of service to them and want to help them. So having two points of contact when you uh, originally come in contact with someone, initially come in contact with someone. Now, if you're walking your neighborhood and you're walking your dog and you're meeting your neighbors and all the rest of it, you don't have to think it through to this extent. But a lot of you guys are going to networking events. You're starting to realize the power of, you know, essentially business networking in particular. When you're at those environments, you only have a quick slice to make a quick uh, impact on somebody, and that's how you have to go about making those, uh, you know, those contacts. Does that make sense, Julie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This stuff does matter because I think that if you have any doubt, think back to times where it has been uncomfortable for you or where whether you've screwed that up or somebody else has made you uncomfortable. You really don't want to start out a meeting by being awkward. That can really set the tone for your entire say listing presentation. So practice this and pay attention to it. I think it's again one of the moments of truth having a good smile you know, being dressed appropriately, getting there early. We do a whole thing on this, Tim, in the listing tools section in our premier coaching class. I do a whole, like, this is just one of the details. This is actually what I borrowed it from, was from the premier class, just to give them a little bit of a taste for that. Things like when you show up, don't park in the driveway make i mean why is that why would you care well maybe their teenager is about to go to soccer practice and their car is in front of you and now you've created a weird situation where they have to go interrupt your presentation to get the car out of the driveway okay um back when we were highly competitive in our market we didn't park in the driveway because we didn't want our competition to know we were on a listing presentation there's that too right because then they go and door knock and deliver their pre-listing package so all of these little detail things that can add up to you either winning or not winning, having a more comfortable or less comfortable situation with your prospects and your clients, Um, you know, looking and seeing whether they're a family that takes all of their shoes off at the door so they don't ruin their floors. If you're the one who doesn't see that, and, you know, some of you guys are dealing with some pretty crazy weather, then you go mark up their carpet, and when you leave, they're like, oh, God, they were a nice person, but they didn't even have the courtesy to take their shoes off. They're probably not going to say that to you. You need to be observant. And I these are all remember the little, one time tiny, I did that out of habit. <laughs> My feet these, stuck these, to their floor. That was bad. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> these are all the little tiny th- hacks that we give you to really make it so you're powerful in a listing presentation. You know, obviously we're going to give you all the, you know, once you're there, there's a, literally a checklist that we need you to follow as closely as you can. Julie's just told you a few of the things. And those tiny little hacks make a big difference. Julie, I know we're off the topic of t- shaking hands, but I'm going to give you guys something else that we learned. And you guys will laugh when I tell you this. Okay, so a couple things. Um, when you walk into somebody's house, now this is, this is like step four of when you show up to a listing appointment. Julie mentioned the shoes thing, and some of you are thinking, I never take my shoes off. And Julie just told you the ramifications of taking your shoes off sometimes. And that does happen. Make sure happen. your toes aren't weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we ha- when we started cracking into the upper end and we started selling, you know, houses that were five times as much as the ones we originally sold, um, we would go to people's houses and we would notice that they were doing a lot more checking us out type thing. Now maybe it's because we were you know in our twenties sure. and in our thirties and whatever, but the fact is they were really sensitive to what we looked like, what we dressed like and what we acted like. And I know why. They were trying to find out if we were part of their Group their class. You guys can call it whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm talking about. They wanted to see if we were really, truly like them, because people like to do business with people that are like them. That's the reason the handshake thing is important too. And so I remember when we go on these listing appointments. You know, we had, you know, a lot realize you guys have the same thing, special listing appointment outfits. And Julie and I studied basically what colors and what all that makes the biggest difference, make, makes the biggest impact. You know, just to give you a taste of that blue. Gives and that's the reason every you know presidents and everybody else wear blue all the time. Blue has the best uh, impact in terms of forming uh, trust. Look at websites; they're almost always blue. So that's you know again that's something else you guys can study on your own if you're interested in that. I find that stuff wildly fascinating, but I mean it might bore the heck out of all of you. But so we walked into this house and we're wearing our you know mostly blue outfits. And I remember you know the seller it was a gal. She, Julie and I, were in the habit of taking our shoes off. That's what we did. They weren't wearing their shoes in their house. They had beautiful marble and hardwood floors. Um, this was in Powell, Julie. It wasn't, you know, in New Albany. It was in Powell, actually. No, I think it through. And I remember that the lady, like, you know, they let us in. It was a married couple. And I remember she looked down to see what kind of shoes Julie was wearing after she took them off.
1: I do remember <laughs> that. Yep. And that yep. wasn't the only time that that's, I had that experience either. So, right. so, you know, that that's like the next level, right? So stage one, take your shoes off if they're non-shoe people. And when in doubt, take your shoes off. Stage two is, you know, it's kind of a plus to have something that's respectable that they notice. It's worth yeah it. it's an I mean investment. these are,
0: but but these are the tiny little things that you guys can do when you're when you're really trying to perfect the craft the art of being a salesperson so like it's to be really good at anything guys it's 50 percent art it's 50 percent science the science is the education the scripts the techniques the rest of it the art really comes back to you guys and these are the types of things we told you a little bit today there's some science to how to ha- shake hands but there's also a lot of art to it isn't it there's some science on basically you know how you're supposed to present yourself but it's also a little bit of an art form because it's not just reading a script it's also reading a script and the vernacular that, uh, and the colloquialisms that's appropriate for your particular market um, and, and applying that and then dressing like you're – you know, all these little tiny things, guys. Now, members, coaching members, some of you guys are getting to the point where you've really perfected the overall listing process and you want to take your game to the next level. This is where you find it. This is where you find the little hacks to go to the next level to make it so you're truly unbeatable. Even if you're absolutely kicking ass in all of your listing appointments, get better. Get better. Think about all these little points of contact, all these little moments of truth, and then apply them. Challenge yourself to every single thing, what your briefcase looks like. You know, there's always people talking about, does it matter what kind of car you drive? Of course it matters what kind of car you drive. Are you kidding me? If you're pulling in front of a house and you have some cheap car, does that really – those people who live in those big houses – and live in those prestigious neighborhoods, they choose to live there because they have a certain set of values. And if you aren't in alignment with their values, they're not going to do business with you. Those of you guys who have studied DISC, and we've done a lot of radio shows on that, just go to timandjulieharris.com and you can listen to past shows on that. It, I want you to expand your, your, your understanding of DISC because here's really how it applies on a macro level. There's certain personality types that are attracted to certain types of neighborhoods, So it doesn't just fit to individuals like, you know, how people talk and how people express themselves and ask questions, all these things, right? It actually expands. You will find in your community there's neighborhoods maybe entire hundreds of houses where it's obviously attracting certain types of people and you know, like S's and C's, let's say, for example, people that are generally speaking, you know, more amiable, more, you know, just easier to get to know types uh, versus say, for example, drivers. So if you're driving through a neighborhood and you see like kid stuff everywhere, you see announcements for craft day and all these other types of things, a real family neighborhood, chances are that's not a neighbor, you know, all the backyards are filled with a bunch of plastic kid stuff. Chances Chances are that's not a neighborhood that's going to be full of a lot of drivers. Now, if you go to a neighborhood like uh, you know, where there's a lot of gates and houses are fancy and they're prestigious and they're, or it's gated to get in,
1: and then the houses are gated on top of it. That tells you something? Yeah, that's an
0: expressive yeah. driver-type neighborhood probably, but you guys get the point of this, right? So the more you understand, the more you understand the art and the science of being a really phenomenal salesperson, because that is what all of you guys are, and don't struggle with that, don't fight with that, don't wrestle with that, don't be conflicted about that, but the more you embrace that that is your job is to master the art of being a, the best version of a salesperson that you can be, the more effective you'll be and the more confident you'll be and the more fun, frankly, it makes life. I mean, that is truly the bottom line. Um, So no matter how much natural skill and talent you think you're born with to be a great people person, salesperson type, always look for ways to improve. Um, And then the ramifications of just wanting to improve on one tiny little slice of your life carries over to everything. You can't just, for example, decide you're going to lose weight and not have other aspects of your life improve. That's really our job on this radio show and as coaches. We want to educate you guys. We want to motivate you. But ultimately, what our real primary objective is to get you into action. If there's ever anything we can do for you, remember, guys, request your free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Go to the website. We'll give you those uh, free books, including Real Estate Treasure Map and Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. Or you can just email us directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. Hey, it was Friday. We wanted to do a, a lighter, less intense show. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. If there's anything we can ever do for you, please reach out. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs,